You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. I'd be listening to the mainstream media and just be left frustrated on how they covered these stories. They would completely ignore facts just to promote their own agenda. I said, man, I could do a better job than these fools. I should start my own show. So I did. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Freedom Strips. I'm your host Keaton and today I have a very special guest. My guest today is Larry Sharp. Larry Sharp rapidly rose to prominence during his run for governor of New York in 2018 as a libertarian. Larry took full advantage of his rising popularity and made his way onto many different uh, social media avenues and different media outlets such as TV, radio, podcasts all around the country. He was even uh, uh, showcasted on the Joe Rogan Experience, and he's recently just launched his new podcast called The Sharp Way. So it is my pleasure to welcome Larry Sharp onto the show. Larry, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. No, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So I really wanted to bring you on. Um, to kind of get your perspective on some current events, some different talking sure. points. I know we were talking earlier about um, potentially how um, the politically homeless, the, the silent majority in the middle seems to be growing as the two major parties seem to be separating further and further away from each other. But I do want to get a little bit of a background on you. So why don't you give the listeners who, who may not be familiar with you a light background on who is Larry Sharp and why is he running for governor or why did he run for governor of New York as a libertarian? That's a tough, that's a tough ticket to run on. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point. And I think your, your, your initial opening is, is a valid concern, right? We have a bunch of people who don't feel like they're represented. And the reason is they're not. We have a bunch of people who are thinking that it's left versus right. And we only want the other guy to be bad, but we don't want to actually solve a problem or help anybody, right? This is a serious problem. And I saw it, you know, obviously years ago, I saw it happening already. It's been happening for decades, but now it's coming to a point where, wow, do we want to talk to each other? Right. And I saw that. In New York, and New York, uh, for those who don't know, is literally the least free state in the union as uh, ranked by Cato. We are we, we beat California. Take that, California. <laughs> uh, so we are the least free state. And I thought, you know what? I want to leave. We lose in New York State over 150,000 people every single year just leave our state. Many of them go to where you are in Florida, right? Or uh, they don't go to Florida. If they don't go there, they go to North Carolina, South Carolina, Arizona, Tennessee, there are so many New Yorkers moving to the Carolinas that they have a name for them. They call them halfbacks. They move to Florida and halfway back. <laughs> oh, okay, nice. I was they wondering where they were going. <laughs> yes, that's how many of us leave. And I was considering leaving too. Literally, I was for what I do at my day job. I'm a consultant for large businesses, so I need to have a large city for me to make any money. It's one of the reasons why I live in New York City, right? Big city, lots of big companies. Makes sense. So I thought, you know what? I, I'm going to go. So I, I looked at North Carolina. Right. I looked at Charlotte and as I went to Charlotte to look at Charlotte to see maybe this is a place to live. I realized I could sell my house here in Queens and buy a mansion in yeah. North Carolina yeah, no and pay less taxes. I mean, just insane. Right. So I got angry and I thought, why is my state so bad? You know, I'm going to run. I'm going to run. And that's one of the reasons why I ran for governor of New York to make change, to get my ideas out there, to show people that, look, n- people talk that about you know the the battleground states or your state florida or pennsylvania or ohio they're not that's not true 
those are battleground states if you simply want to keep swapping left and right to control us. But if you actually want to stop government infringement, if you actually want to stop the, the, the state from taking more and more control over us, the battleground states are California and New York. This is where they're pushing it to the best ability. The rest of the country follows us. Yeah. They test how far they can go in our states and then start pushing that in every other state. We're the battleground states, right? I'm the front line. AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, is my congressperson. In your district. I, that's correct. My congressperson. Oh, yes. boy, Larry. <laughs> Literally. And not just that's one side. The other side, Trump is from my county, Queens. Yeah. So I'm in the belly of the beast. Oh. I am the front line. I'm the one, the, the vanguard, not the people in, in uh, Pennsylvania, Florida, Ohio. It's me. I'm the one. We're <laughs> the people doing this, right? right? And my point being is, look, am I going to win in New York? I hope, but I don't have to win. All I have to do is make impact. If I make impact in New York, we can win in other states. If we can win in New York, we can win anywhere. Boy, no if we can change New York, we can change the entire nation. This is where we hold them as in New York and California. California doesn't have me. New York does. So New York is where I fight. This well, is where we can win. It's one reason why, why I ran. Did I answer your question at least? Yeah, yeah, you did. You did. And, and, and you impact – you certainly made an impact. So, you know, one of the things that I, I gave in my intro of you is you gave the libertarian ballot access, the libertarian party yes. ballot access for the first time. Now that's a, that's Ever. a monumental step there, right there. So, yes, I, I mean, you're, you're spreading the message. You're getting the word out to those in New York that are boy. I mean, I mean, obviously the majority is blue, but I mean, you've got the Republican that runs but, but every time. And just remember here, look, in New York State, and this is common in other states too, right? I'll go the opposite, Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a very red state, right? Right. In in New York being a blue state, it really it, there's no such thing as a blue or red state. Actually, what there is, every state's red. The question is, do you have enough urban centers to turn your state blue? But if it's not actually blue state versus red state, it's urban versus rural. Right. Right. Rural New York is as red as Oklahoma. Yeah. And, you know, the, the cities in Mississippi are as blue as New York, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we're looking at. We're looking at urban versus rural. That's what it really is. New York State, it's urban versus rural, not necessarily blue. There's a lot more urban. The largest city in the country, New York, is in our state. So obviously we have a whole bunch of blue. Yeah. And that's natural. But what I was trying to get at is even the people in New York, they don't like Democrats either. They simply vote Democrat because they don't like Republicans. Mm -hmm. But they don't like their own people. They just they just don't like Republicans. And mm. the last 30 years, 40 years, we've been splitting ourselves so much that Democrats simply will not vote for Republican. Republicans will simply not vote for Democrat. The Libertarian Party says, hey, guess what? You can vote for us. We're not red or blue. We're gold. It gives them an option that isn't the enemy is what they see, Right. Right. This has been happening for decades. If you look at it now, this is a big problem. 2020 is going to be a big issue. And this has been happening for a while, right? Since basically about Nixon in that era after the, the impeachment or the almost impeachment of Nixon, mm -hmm. the parties have been, have been fraying tremendously since the Nixon era, right? Mm -hmm. Since that had been really fraying. But up until the second term of Obama, every president, Obama, his first term, Bush before him, Clinton before him, Bush before him, Reagan, all of them, they always said things like, 
I'm the president of everybody. There's one America. They all talk that way. But since second term of Obama, nope. Obama was like, my people. And Trump doubled down. My yeah, people. Right. They only care about their side, not the other. That's become obvious these last six to eight years. What does that mean? Here's the biggest issue. In 2020, think about what happens with our nation if Trump wins. The left is going to say, it was the Russians. He's illegitimate. Of course. What happens if the, the Democrat wins? In this case, say it's Biden as an example. Biden wins. Mm-hmm. What's the right going to say? Oh, it was a deep state. It was it was fixed. It was, <laughs> no right. matter what, our president, whoever that person is, half of our country is going to believe that that president is illegitimate. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Yeah, a big one. What is the only answer? A third party. The biggest thing the Libertarian Party did in New York State by becoming legitimate was it got people who were unhappy with the left and the right to change parties. To believe that we were real and viable and change parties. And I just don't mean the voters. I mean the voters, obviously. But I also mean the candidates. We have 62 counties in New York. Prior to me running, we only had an organization in about 18 of those 62 counties. Now we have over 20. We're working on 40. We now have a libertarian running in New York State this year in over half of our counties. Really? That didn't over exist half? Last. It's correct. Wow. Yes, over half counties is libertarian actually running. Running on, or in, in, as a libertarian in at least half of our counties. That didn't exist last year. And most of those people, sadly to mine, they are Republicans and Democrats who said, I'm done. I'm taking libertarian. I'm taking libertarian line. I don't want my line. I'm the libertarian line. Because now it's viable. It wasn't viable for. Right. Lots of people who feel libertarian won't run libertarian because they think they can't win. Right. They'll run so Republican. why Bob's running so I can lose? Yeah. Yes, they were Republican or Democrat. Right? right. They run they run the opposite. And, and I mean by this you in a blue state like New York, the Libertarian Party tends to lean right. In a red state like Oklahoma, Libertarian Party tends to lean left. Yeah. What's the reason? Because those are the people who are being oppressed. Right. Libertarian Party says, we'll leave you alone. Come to us, leave you alone. We don't have to agree with what you're doing. We'll just leave you alone. Yeah. And it's not going to force you. We're just not going to force you to do it. (laughs) Absolutely. If you're a Republican or conservative in New York State, you know, all you want to be is left alone. You know, you're not going to run the state. You know, you're not going to be in charge. All you want to be is left alone. If you're a Democrat or a liberal in Oklahoma, you're not going to run the state. You know that. You just want to be left alone. Mm. So, Libertarian Party, here we are. We're happy to leave you alone. No worries. So, I think that's what's been happening in New York State. It's a, it's a, it's a advantage. The other issue about, about the Libertarian Party in this case is the reason why anyone should support it is because it becomes a referee, right? It becomes look. Democrats are supposed to be about civil liberties. Mm-hmm. They're not, but they're supposed to be. And right now, they don't have to be. Because they just go, I'm better than Republican. That's all they say. And if you're a Democrat or you lean left, you go, yeah, yeah, better than Republican. You vote and you vote Democrat, even if you hate your Democrat. Even if Democrats are socialists, you vote anyway because you don't like Republicans. You don't like the right. Right. The right, same thing. The Republicans are supposed to be about small business and lower taxes and smaller government. They're not. They're supposed to be. Right. And so, well, you're a Republican. What do you do? You just go, God, I hate Democrats. You vote Republican. But one, there's a libertarian there. You have an actual option, actual choice. It will force Democrats to be better Democrats and Republicans to be better Republicans. 
that's the glory of having that powerful third party. Well, that, that's a that's a great one right there. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up 2020 because um, th- this was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was, you know, with both sides moving further and further away um, from their founding principles. Um, like yes. you said, the left supposed to be for civil liberties. The right supposed to be for limiting government, limiting um, uh, restrictions on on business. But you have both parties condemning ones on each side that want to re- reach across the aisle. So one of the yes. ones I wanted to talk to you about was um, such as the candidate on the democratic side, Tulsi Gabbard, she's been ousted from the, uh, the next debate. She hasn't reached yeah. her goal, but if you look at the social media uh, against her and even like the corporate media as well, MSNBC, CNN, boy, they tear into Tulsi Gabbard. But they, but they but they side for the big establishment candidates like the Bidens, Absolutely. the Harrises. But you also see it on the right with um, the most latest example with Justin Amash going yep. after, you know, calling out Donald Trump for his hypocrisies and and even talking about impeachment for obstruction of justice. Now, I think he's got a legitimate case there. You know, it can be questioned. It's been questioned on, you know, should you be concentrating on that investigation, you know, with the, with the craziness that it was but look you've got it on both sides with with the right condemning justin amash which i i think is silly look this is a guy who wants the he was in the republican party he called out the republican party for its hypocrisies and now he's been forced out of the party essentially uh same thing with tulsi gabbard man she's been trying to reach across the aisle and Mm -hmm. you look at the establishment go after her so you see this middle start to grow and grow and grow and grow. And I think the Libertarian Party has a real opportunity to gain some ground going into 2020 and, and into further elections more and more. I mean, in your case, you obviously see tremendous ground gained in New York. I mean, in yeah. New York, all of, of all places. That's what I'm saying. That, that's my whole point, right? This is the front line. If, if we could just make some a dent here, we could win in Wyoming. Like yeah. we could win in South Dakota, right? Just by showing people how you can make a dent in New York. Of course I want to win, but I don't have to. I just have to make an impact so others can see and jump on board. And you're seeing it already. People are taking my example and they're running with it, which is what I want. Now, let me cover let me cover everything you kind of talked about. The first piece is, yes, the reason why this is happening with Tulsi and happening with Justin is because we don't actually have two political parties anymore. What we have is two tribes. And I mean that literally, two tribes. It's not about principle. It's not about what they stand for. It's about the current warlord on top of the tribe. That's what it's about. Now, for some of your listeners who may have some gray hair like me, you may remember the old days, right? And think about if you could, for those of you who are old enough to listen, or those of you who know some, some, some history, think about a Carter Democrat versus a Clinton Democrat versus a uh, Obama Democrat. And then think about a Reagan Republican versus a Bush Republican versus a Trump Republican. They're different Republicans and different Democrats, right? A Carter Democrat was anti-war, right? Mm -hmm. A Clinton Democrat, not so much. Right. Right? Way different. Clinton was bombing all day long. Carter wasn't. Different. A Reagan Republican versus a Trump Republican, night and day. They're different Republicans, right? Each one is a different Republican, mm-hmm. right? Even when Clinton wanted to, to fix healthcare, Clinton wasn't Medicaid for all healthcare. Now Democrats are Medicaid for all, right? Right. So it's a whole, they've all changed. Why? Because the war or a top changed. I'll go one step further. The wall, 
Now you got Republicans who want to build a wall. Democrats say it's too expensive. Go back 10 years ago. It was, it was Democrats who wanted to build a wall and Republicans who said it was too expensive. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it isn't about the policy. It is about the warlord, which is why the warlord sets what the policy is because of his or her will. That's mm. it. And so when you go against the warlord, which Tulsi does, which Justin does, you are by default no longer part of the tribe. We have to kick you out. Mm. The reason why the Libertarian Party is so amazing is it's based upon principle. I could call myself the king of libertarians if I want to. I'd be laughed out the door. Right? It's not going to happen. I can call myself whatever I want. They're going to laugh at me. We're built upon principles. Why we? It's why we fight so much. We fight. Libertarians fight all the time. <laughs> I've and noticed that. <laughs> yes. Because it is – because just because Larry Sharp says so doesn't mean it matters. Doesn't mean it's real. Doesn't mean it's the rules. Mm. It means that's Larry Sharp's opinion. Mm. But we have principles. And I measure what Larry says, not against how much I love Larry. I hope you all love me. But that isn't what you measure it against. You measure it against does it match our principles or not. And if it doesn't, I can fight him. If it does, I'll shut up and let him do his thing. That's how we look at it. It's a different way of looking at it. So that's the reason why I think they're being thrown out. But I got to tell you, when I look at people like Justin or Tulsi, I want to bring them aboard. And a lot of people in the Libertarian Party are against them. They're like, don't bring them. They're, you know, they're the Democrats. They're Republicans. If you've noticed my style, my style has been the same for the entire thing. I want to bring everybody I possibly can aboard. I know they're not going to be perfect Libertarians. They're not. Tulsi's not a perfect Libertarian. I got that. I'm not going to fool myself and say that. But she's the best Democrats got. Yeah. And I will take her now. And we'll see what we can do. And we'll work on her getting her better. I'm happy to have her aboard. I'm happy to have Justin Amashi aboard. Come on aboard. We'll, we'll let them all come over, right? I'll mm-hmm. take Lincoln Chafee. I'll, come aboard. I'll, I'll take Howard Schultz. Come on aboard. If you want to start talking to me, I'm going to talk back. I want to listen. I want everybody to come aboard to the best of their ability because I can't turn this country around if I can't talk to Americans. Yeah. We have to be able to talk to the left, talk to the right, talk to the center, show them that we have actual answers and bring them to saying yes to us. The idea of constant fighting is not a good idea. It's not the way for us to heal our wounds. The glory of our movement is you don't have to convert to be libertarian. Mm. You can be as liberal or as conservative as you want to be. Just stop forcing your way on others. Let people be who they want to be and you're one of us. It's literally that simple. Boy, Larry, I think you hit the nail on the head there with the really the the central symptom of this whole political separation in, in the United States is a lack of discourse. There, there's a lack of talking. Nobody yes. wants to talk to each other. And if they do talk to each other, they're yelling at each other. They're not actually talking yes. uh, with one another. And I, I think I talked with um, Hody Johns or, or maybe it was Brian Nichols about this on a later episode. But um, th- that that lack of discourse is just fueling the fire. And and one of the recent yes. one of the you know recent debates that you really see this flame being fueled on is with the gun debate issue. And I did want to ask yes. you uh, about since you are in New York um, and, and red yep. flag laws have been at the top of the news cycle recently. New York did just enact uh, their red flag laws. Uh, you know, uh, As Captain I told you, Captain we Cuomo guys. <laughs> Captain Cuomo just we are going, the beginning. Yeah. Yes. So uh, the, the, they they try it here. If it works here, 
it's coming soon to your state. Yeah. Well, that it's a scary thing. I, I mean, I, I, I can't help but see another assault weapons ban or, or something of the sort on the horizon as things progress and move forward, especially with these new red flag laws. And you even see the Republicans um, starting to support these as well. Dan Crenshaw oh, yes. and, and Donald Trump has, has vowed support for it as well. So it's it's really Absolutely. something that um, I, I have several friends that are Republicans and, and, and lean conservative um, and even they're starting to kind of raise their eyebrow a little bit being like, well, wait a minute, you know, I, I've, I've let you get away with some of this stuff that Republicans aren't supposed to do, but now you're starting to tread in territory uh, with these red flag laws where, I mean, you're starting to stomp all over due process in the second amendment. So absolutely. Where do you see in New York state? The, the, there's not a second amendment. It's a second suggestion. That's how New York state. <laughs> so yes, but, but the funny thing is when I bring up red flag laws and when I bring up the Second Amendment period. Because I live in New York State, I've learned to not bring up the constitutionality of it because New Yorkers don't care. New Yorkers want to actually get rid of the Second Amendment. Literally, they would like to abolish it. I'm not joking. That's what they want to do. So I don't bring up that aspect. And I and gun lovers always do it. Do, shall not infringe. New Yorkers don't care. Yeah. It's constitutional. New Yorkers don't care. That argument has not worked in decades. I don't bring it up. I tell you what I bring up. Red flag laws create a secret state police. That's what they do. Yeah. They create a secret state police. Right now in New York, prior to red flag laws, we have what was called the SAFE Act. Some people in non-New Yorkers may not know what that was, but that was another gun safety law that was put in 2013. What that did is that made all of our medical community, by law, have to report any issues whatsoever that may be mental or medical at all to the state immediately by law. So that this is what happened. It's true stories. Guy gets hit by a car. I'm sorry. Guy's in a car accident. Sorry, in a car accident. They bring him to the emergency room. He's in tremendous pain. Just had a car. He's got a car accident. The nurse says, how are you feeling? He goes, oh, I feel so bad. I want to die. She writes suicidal, loses firearms oh. because she has to report that by law. So she's afraid. So she reports everything versus just telling people, hey, if some guy's a nut, say something. If some guy's violent, say something. But Larry, that won't work. It works in New York City with our terror issues. If you ever come to New York City, you will see everywhere. If you see something, say something. Mm -hmm. For terrorist issues, you see it all the time. And guess what people do in New York State, in New York City? If they see something, they say something. That's exactly <laughs> how we literally stopped multiple attempts at terrorism in New York City. Yeah. People say something. Mm-hmm. There's no law. You don't have to report your neighbor. It's not required. Literally, the, the Times Square bomber was reported by he guy was a Muslim. He was reported by a fellow Muslim. I think he owned a hot dog stand or something like that. Mm. He's like, no, no, no. I'm here legally. I like America. You're not messing my deal up. I'm reporting you. And he did, and the cops got him. If you see something, say something. The problem is a red flag law assumes that people are bad and stupid and evil and won't report things if they see things. It's proven that we will. Even 9-11, people reported these guys learning how to fly the plane, not how to land them. People report. Americans mm. do it. We don't require a law. The assumption is, well, without red flag laws, why would they report? It's already happening. In fact, just last month, there were three different um, shootings stopped. Three different states. I think it was Florida, Ohio, Connecticut. I think it was all three states. 
Only two of those states have red flag laws. One didn't. Yeah. The laws weren't required, and yeah. people still did it. Once you make it a requirement, now people start going on lists. Mm-hmm. Now we start reporting our neighbors. This is the East German Stasi or the Russian KGB. That's mm-hmm. what starts happening. USSR comes back. The newest red, lo- red flag laws in, uh, in New York now make teachers do it also. So medical community and teachers now are part of a New York State Secret State Police reporting on people, to your point, with no due process. Mm-hmm. But Larry, you want these people to shoot things up? Of course I don't. All I want is if your son is talking online about shooting the school up, report them. Let the cops come and do due process. Right. They can do process. I'm okay. I don't mind the cops seizing firearms from somebody who wants to kill someone. I'm actually okay with that. But that person gets due process. They have to have evidence, right? There's something there. This guy's trying to do something bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. But because I don't like my neighbor. And the worst part I bring up is these laws affect veterans more than anybody else. Because veterans are more apt to have firearms and they're more likely to have things like PTSD and TBI. I'm a vet. I love my veterans. They're more apt to have this. So guess what happens? They decide to not get help. Right. Because we're a community. And we tell others. We tell each other, dude, you can't go get help, man, because they take your guns. What? Take my guns? I'm not getting help. You know, I have problems like I've got to take my, my vet brother has to give his guns to his other friend and say, hey, hold my guns. To, can you just hold my guns? I don't feel safe. What does he mean? He means last night I put one of them in my, in my mouth and I didn't pull the trigger. Yeah. And I don't want to do it again tonight. So hold my guns for me. Mm. That's what we're down to. So these red flag laws create secret state police, put innocent people away, get rid of due process and affect our veterans worse than ever and are unnecessary. Yeah. Because we do it anyway. That's what I talk about. And you see that a lot of people, these are people on the left. I live in New York City. We are the most anti-gun city in the country, right? We are we are all about getting rid of Second Amendment. We do not want it at all. Yeah. And New York City friends of mine go, you know, Larry, you're right. If I can get New York City left to go, Larry, you're right, we can change the country. That's my point. That's how we do it. Through conversation, not insults, not constitution. They don't care. Right. It's about look at what society we're creating with these red flags. Look at who we're hurting with these red flag laws. And when I talk about the city, New York City, for those of you who don't know, it's a very diverse city, the most diverse city in our, in our country. In fact, Queens County is the most diverse county in the nation. When you have, you have a lot of poor immigrant communities in New York, in New York City. So when someone gets mugged or beaten up or robbed, it's almost always the same thing. It is a poor old person of color, either old woman or old man. Right. So you might say, okay, great, old woman, old man. That's terrible. It is. How can you stop that? Can you fix that? I have an idea. How about one of those old women or old man or single mom with two kids has a firearm? A firearm in those communities is literally an equalizer. Yeah. The reason why that that thug beats up an old man or old woman or, 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 or young woman with two kids is because he can. Right. He's not messing with some young strapping 20-something male because that guy might beat his ass. Right. He's not doing that, right? <laughs> right. That might happen. Yeah. He's not doing that. Let one elderly man or woman draw down on the thug one time. Yeah. That'll make the news, change everything. 
What about all the, the domestic uh, uh, violence that we have now, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a woman is murdered by her lover every day in America. Mm. You know what most of those people have? They have an order of protection, which, by the way, is not magic. It's yeah. just a piece of paper. Right. It just makes sure that when the man kills the woman, that he'll do more time in prison when he's caught. It doesn't protect her. You know what does protect her? A firearm. Yeah. It is an equalizer. I speak about the Second Amendment in these terms, human terms, how it affects the poor, how it affects women, how it affects our veterans, how it creates a secret state police. Mm-hmm. This is what turns people. This is why I use this is why I speak this way about it. Yeah. And to be clear, I live in New York City. I don't own a firearm. This really? Is you, don't, you don't own a you don't own a firearm? In New York? How could I? I live in New York City. I go to jail. Yeah, I know. It's very difficult. I, I don't know, actually, the processes of... I know it's extremely difficult it's to get one. Yeah. It's impossible. So wow. this is the glory of, of the libertarian movement. Many of us, we support issues that don't affect us because we don't care about whether it affects us or not. What we care about is your rights. Your rights matter. Hmm. And your Second Amendment rights matter. Whether I own a firearm or not is irrelevant. Your rights matter. And that's why I preach about this. Yeah, this is this is one of the things too that I thought was so interesting. And 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 you know I've talked about on my show that this this gun debate several times, and it it seems to me like most people believe, even the people on the left believe that they're anti-gun. They don't like guns. Well, they're not actually anti-guns. They 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 actually like the guns. They just like them in the hands of the government and the local police, right? So yes. they are not anti-gun. They're just pro guns in the government's hands so they have well, this kind of religious they have this religious yeah. belief that the government can do no wrong and individuals can do wrong but the government is made up of individuals who are human and they are prone to evil acts as well so it's just kind of like this religious belief that the government can do no wrong so they're not actually anti-gun i've brought this up several times in my show i just think that's an interesting point do you have anything to to bring yeah. up on that very often I will, when I'm in a, in New York City, I'll go to a college and I'll speak in a college or I'll speak at a, you know, a, an event and I'll ask this question. I'll say, how many people in this room own a gun, own a firearm? And I ask, they raise their hands and almost no hands go up, right? Almost no hands go up. It's New York City. Almost no hands go up, right? Mm. And I go, you all do. And they go, what? So yeah, we all own guns. Right now, the cops are holding for us. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Because because when you have a problem, what do you do? You call a 911 and your guns come. Yeah. And then you got to wait right? 10 when minutes for them problem, to show up. <laughs> your guns come. Yeah. Right? You press 911 and your guns show up. They're your guns. You're paying taxes on them. You bought them. Sure. They're yours. Many times over. <laughs> yes. You bought them many times over. Just you're letting the cops hold them. Right. It's fine. So you call 911 and your guns come. Yeah. So why are you, how can you say you're anti gun? Exactly. You, you, you own guns. You just wait for the, the well, look, you might say, but Larry, sure, that makes sense. But, 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 but the cops are the guns. Okay, great. What happens if you live in a more rural county where when you call the cop, the cop, not cops, the cop, because in your rural county, there's only one. And if he's eating dinner, he's not going to pick up his phone. So the cop's going to take an hour to get to you. You're going to wait for your guns for an hour. I'm like, <laughs> uh, uh, Yeah. So why are you so anti-gun? Right. If you're in New York City, the cops will probably come pretty fast as a general rule. If you're in a bad neighborhood, no, they won't. 
But if you're in a decent neighborhood, you'll come pretty fast. But again, this is my point. Maybe you believe you live in a safe neighborhood. Maybe you don't want to have a gun. No worries. Again, we're libertarians. I don't want you to have a gun. I want you to be able to have a gun if you choose to have one. Second Amendment is not a second requirement. It's a right. If you want one, you should have one. If you don't, that's fine too. You don't have to. I don't need everyone to be armed. I need you to be able to be armed. In my example of the, the old the old person who has the gun, the elderly person who has a gun, I don't need every old person to have a gun. But if they might have one, that might change a thug's mind. Absolutely. Well, that's a great point there, Larry. Yes. So let other people have firearms. If you don't want to have one, don't. No one's no one's forcing you. Just stop forcing your view on others. So the next thing I wanted to ask you, uh, Larry, was about the the rise of this democratic socialism uh, in America. Mm-hmm. You see the Bernie Sanders really gaining popularity, the yep. Elizabeth Warrens gaining popularity. Uh, I spoke to Brian Nichols uh, about this on a past show, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this because it, it's my view that the the negative uh, views and connotations towards capitalism from these um, so Bernie supporters are kind of misplaced. I believe most of them have a problem with cronyism that they believe is capitalism. I, I don't know as if the United States has ever had a true pure test of capitalism before, certainly not in our lifetime, but how do we as libertarians or those who find themselves in the middle effectively speak to those um, on the democratic socialist side to kind of have them come to the realization that, capitalism isn't their enemy and socialism isn't really what they want. Well, first stop, stop using the phrase capitalism. Just stop using it. I don't use it. Yeah. Um, capitalism has a bad connotation. It's not going to change. Mm. So I don't use, I don't use the phrase the, and libertarians are hardcore, but capitalism is great. Nobody cares. They don't like it. It's irrelevant. Emotions matter. Right. And the problem is you will find very often that many libertarians or conservatives too, but libertarians also will often have the idea that, you know, feelings don't matter. What's that saying? Facts don't care about your feelings. <laughs> yeah, that's the Ben Shapiro line. Yeah. Yeah. That is a terrible idea. That right. is a horrible concept. Yeah. Facts, uh, feelings matter tremendously. Feelings ignore facts. Feelings adjust facts. Feelings fabricate, make up facts from thin air. Yeah. Humans are about feelings. You have to care about feelings. If you don't, you just don't understand humans. Yeah, you have That's to fine. understand both sides. Yeah, you, you have to understand feelings, period. Right? Yeah. You just have to. So the first thing I would say is the connotation of, of, of capitalism is is a bad one. So I don't use it. In fact, you also you never even hear me use the phrase free market. Mm. Well, I'll use all for this consumer driven. Okay. So they've already stolen our words, and we're trying to fight to take them back. It's a it's a battle we can't win. I don't I don't want to fight a battle I can't win. So I can't win that battle. I'm not going to win it. Keep my words. You got them. I'll get new words. So I just go get new words. So the first thing is stop using that. I don't use it. You never, you've never heard me say it. I don't use those phrases ever. They, they fail. That's the first step. Step number two is empathy. Empathy is something we don't have. We're bad at it. We go, socialism is bad. Never worked. We have facts. Here's something to remember. If you're a millennial, I don't know how old you are, but if you're 30 or under, imagine if you are, if you're not. Anyone listening, if you're 30 or under, you'll, you'll get it. If you're not, try to pretend if you're, under, if you're 30 or under. It means the odds are very high that as a generation, not as an individual, I don't know if you specifically, but as a generation, uh, you were told that you were awesome because you were born. You were given a bunch. You have a closet full of participation trophies, which is I showed up, therefore I'm great. You've been told the entire life. You've also been told that if you just graduate high school, 
and then go to a great college. There'll be an amazing job waiting for you that you won't have to work hard. You'll be behind the computer. You'll make tons of money because that's how capitalism works and you'll be great. Well, if you're about 30 or under, you get out of college or high school, 2009, 11, 14, 16, 18. What was waiting for you? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. A system that was destroyed and the media went out of its way to say it was destroyed because of capitalism. Right, because of free and markets. And it was saved. Yes, correct. And it was saved because of government intervention. That is what you were told the entire time. Right. So why would believe that? Not just that. You feel betrayed. You feel lied to. You look around you. Most of the people in your world, your 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 generation, don't own much. There's not much ownership. You, If you live in a city, you have at least three roommates, if not four or five, and you struggle. If you live in a in, in not in a city, you live with family because you can't afford to buy your own home. That's what you see everywhere. Yeah. And not just that, you live heavily on social media. And in social media, what do you see? You see everyone's avatar. And that avatar is always having an amazing time. Right, yeah. But you're not. Life is clearly not fair. You were lied to. You don't see socialism as stealing money. You see socialism as righting a wrong. You were defrauded. You were lied to. The government lied to you. You rich people lied to you. Society and baby boomers, they all lied to me. I deserve this. That's how you see it. Now, I'm not saying that's correct. I'm saying that makes them not bad people. That makes them human beings who have a certain outlook on life. Right. We have to accept that as how they feel and then talk to them accepting that is true. But if we instead go, damn millennials, lazy, wild thing for free. If we do that, we're going to lose. All they do is double down and dig in and we lose. But Larry, they're socialists. Yes, socialists who are voting our rights away every single year. Yep. We have to turn them with communication. We can't just yell at them. It doesn't work. And for those of you who are more conservative, I have some bad news for you. The country is going left. Mm -hmm. Any way you look at it, it's going left. They're not getting smaller. They're getting bigger. Why? The biggest reason is urbanization. More and more people are moving to cities. And this all comes back from 2008. 2008, there was really no real recovery outside of cities. 20 cities in America responsible for about 80% of all new jobs. Outside of cities, almost no recovery. So everyone's rushing to cities. Right. When you go to cities, you become more left. Why? Because we live on top of each other. We have mixed cultures. Because we, we are transient. Because we're all sharing everything. We don't have family with us. So there's no cultural overarching thing that says what's right and what's wrong. So we cry for a referee. What's the easy, easiest referee? Government. Mm -hmm. So we ask more government. So when you move to cities, you become more left. Think about this. In Manhattan, one square mile of Manhattan, 60,000 people. That's Ooh. more than most counties. Yeah. Correct. Yes, that's more than most. I'm on one square mile in, the, in Manhattan. In fact, in, in some parts of New York City, a UPS truck driver, his entire route is one building. Wow. That's how many people in a building. His entire route is one building. Whew. That's how big, that's how, <laughs> how, how much we live on top of each other. So that's my point, right? When you have that, it's happening. How do we fix that? Not through yelling and screaming. 
They just dig in deeper. Mm -hmm. It's through conversation, showing them a better way, expressing, hey, I get it. You feel cheated. Your wage isn't the right way. There's a better way. We can make this happen. I can show you ways to have more ownership, show you ways to be more entrepreneurial, show you ways to have more success in your life, show you ways to give you some more freedom to where you can still get what you want without socialism. If we don't show them that, we lose. And the key piece here is to focus on outcomes. Do we want the same outcome? And the funny part is most Americans actually want the same outcome. The question is, how do we get there? The left tends to think the only way is through government and through socialism. If we show them there are other ways, they will come our way. And I use this in the way of the Libertarian Party, right? The Libertarian Party. It is easier for us, and we get people faster usually from the right. But they go back fast also. They come. It's not right enough. They go back. Yeah. The left, it's harder for us to get people. But when we get people from the left, man, do they stay, and they are some of our best activists. Really? From, from the from left, you find that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. We don't get them as fast from the left. Mm-hmm. But when they turn, oh, my God. They're passionate they people. Like, yes. Yeah. Without question. Yes. They are the ones we want. Yeah. I want to turn people from the left as much as I can get. I right. want them because when they come, oh, oh my God. They were our best advocate. I mean, the, <laughs> the rights are good too. I'm not trying to put the right away. We yeah. just get more of them faster from the right, right? Sure. So I want them all. Bring them all to us. We can turn them all. Well, that's great. And I think I think that's that's if I were to guess, that's one of the reasons why you started uh, the Sharp Way and and in exactly your new media outlet. So tell me a little. Tell the listeners a little bit. Tell me a little bit about. What sharpway.com, um, sharpway Twitter, sharpway Instagram, the sharpway Facebook page, <laughs> sharpway YouTube page. We got it all. Absolutely. Monday nights live, two hours, eight to 10. It's a call in show. You call in, talk to me, talk to me and the guest. You can imagine it's like a smaller version of Joe Rogan with uh, phone calls. That's what it is. Every third or fourth show, I do it just me and callers. And mm-hmm. in between, I do guests. In fact, my first guest was Howie Hawkins, the open socialist Green Party presidential candidate. Really? And what happened? Yes, I had a conversation with him. I found some common ground. We talked. I didn't yell at him. I didn't debate. I didn't argue. We talked. Callers called and asked him serious questions like, how can you accept this part of socialism? And he answered. He was human. We were human. I hope some of his people saw how good we were and stay with us. I hope some of our people saw he's human and can talk to him. We have to have more conversations. Arguing and debating is nice, but it just creates winners and losers. It doesn't change anybody's mind. Conversation changes minds. So yes, the short way is all about recruiting. It's all about new people coming in. You're not going to see a lot of hardcore libertarians on the sharp way. You're going to see left and right. You're going to see people who aren't normal. That's what I want. I want people to. I want this to be a way of bringing people to the movement. That's mm-hmm. the goal of the sharp way. Well, I think Mutual that, respect, good conversations. Yeah, I think that people are starved for good conversations. They really are. The yes. media does not provide good, honest, long form conversation. And I'm really excited right. about um, about your new avenue, the sharp way. I'll definitely be tuning in uh, myself as well as listeners. Go out. 
Um, help Larry Sharp out. Go and subscribe to his new podcast. Follow him on Twitter. Follow him on Instagram. He's on all the different outlets. Larry Sharp, I'm going to end it here. Thank you again for coming on, my friend. Thank you, sir. Talk to you soon. Wonderful. Well, thank you, everybody, for taking a listen to another episode of Freedom Strips. Please be sure to give Larry Sharp a follow. Go check him out on The Sharp Way, anywhere you can find podcasts. And we'll see you on the next episode of Freedom Strips. Freedom Strips.